0: You've got five seconds before we're live on uh, everywhere else, so use it while... Okay, we're live.
1: (laughs) Welcome (laughs) to SwitchCast. Always a fun adventure going live here. Uh, We appreciate all of you who are with us this evening. And we also appreciate you who will listen later. Uh, You get the maybe better version because you get the bumper music. Definitely the better version. My mother has been complaining that she doesn't get to listen
2: to Emily and Ivory on the live stream. Um, So... For yes. the full effect we need to play that live. And we, by we to, I mean you guys. We used we to, used to. No, no, I mean instruments here. We got, oh,
1: oh mic'd because up. we're oh. in the band, right? Well, Doug's yeah. got his drums. Right. The, not the right drums. Not I do right need the, the rimshot drum again. Anyway, lest we uh, <laughs> diverge too quickly. Uh, I'm your host Doug Tabbitt, and Switchcast is the podcast where we seek to educate, edify and entertain you on the drive of your life. We are back to talking about vehicle history reports tonight. What in the heck do they do for you when you're trying to buy a car? Carfax is the number one that we all use, and I think we even use it as a verb now. You know, hey, can you Carfax that car? Um, but uh, it's it's it, it's a good tool. It's not the be-all, end-all, but... Um, Vehicle history reporting has changed quite a bit in the past few years as access to more data from different departments, from insurance companies, et cetera, et cetera, has uh, become more accessible. And that's requiring a different interpretation of what we see on a Carfax report um, because we can't look at them the same way we did five years ago.
2: When did Carfax start? Do you know?
1: Uh... 25 years ago at least i don't know i've been in the car business since 2005 and it was ubiquitous then 2004 so i wow. yeah long, 1986 long in missouri oh it was just a local thing yeah. when did it go national
2: uh, that is a great question for which you don't have an answer. I, come on, Wikipedia Tyler. is not
1: uh, <laughs> not doing. You know, what why it I should. love Wikipedia is because anybody anywhere can put information in. So you so know, so you know, know, you know getting you're the, getting the most reliable.
2: <laughs> Who's going to come to the Carfax Wikipedia page and start monkeying around with things? Me,
0: I will. Anyway, Uh,
2: nine i would say late 90s early 2000s so i saw a few
1: things um and by the way uh if you have questions about vehicle history reports about car facts uh anything to do with cars throw them in the live chat wherever you're watching we will get to them as as best we can during the course of the show we are not doing the bonus round of tip talk this evening so when we end at nine it is uh we're out so thank you for joining us throw those questions in now um, I had a number of real world situations happen in the last, I don't know, we'll say month that kind of illustrated each of the, uh, we'll, we'll call it issues with vehicle history reports and kind of lessons for how we need to interpret them. So I'll just go through them one by one. and And we did cover some of this uh in a past episode when we talk about like the 10 questions you don't need to ask when you're buying a car and a lot of that had to do with stuff that people glean from a car fax, right how many owners does it have how many miles does it have etc cetera, etc cetera. where was a car registered and um those things all seem to impact value but i think some of them shouldn't so we cover that this is not uh going back over that same information this is kind of a, a, a different uh take on you know how to how to properly interpret vehicle history reports um with the new information that's getting reported um the, the first one that that we've covered at infinitum though is the number of owners right so um We sold a car this week and then unsold it. Um, And the guy, we went through everything. It was a GT3. We sent him the over-rev report. We sent him paint meter readings. We service history, yada, yada, yada. Like the whole kit and caboodle. Photos of every single flaw. Like every possible thing you could want to know about the current condition of the car. Which is what I tell people. That is the only thing that matters. Because the current condition is... Like, what the best way I heard this was the past history only serves to confirm what the car is today, right? So you can have service records out the butt and that'll tell you that the car is serviced, but you could also just inspect it and go, oh, the spark plugs are new, so they have been replaced at some point, right? The oil's black, so it needs to be replaced, or the oil's fresh, so it's been changed, right? Um, now, a lot of people are, are more snickety, right they want a car that's had its oil changed every single year because they think that if it hasn't you know the engine's going to blow up which is i
2: would definitely not be one of those people nope not at all it's <laughs> it
1: can be valid right like i understand that but you can generally get a sense of a car from its condition and how it's been serviced um because there's some things you just can't you can't fake right like for for this gt3 we didn't have a record of a major service but we pulled the spark plugs they look new the coils weren't cracking spark plugs and coils are things you replace as part of a major service we measure the brake fluid it was zero percent moisture which means it was fresh and brake fluid is one of those things that people tend to overlook right it's not an oil change it's like well it, you know how do i know it needs to be changed um drive belts were good. Like everything that would have gotten done during a major service was all fresh. So we're like, okay, yeah, somebody did it. Somebody took care of this car. We just don't have the receipt of that service. Anyway, the guy places a deposit on the car. Then, uh, calls me the next day and he's like, oh no, I just, I saw the Carfax. It's got nine owners on it. I can't buy it. And I, and he's like, I need to find a car with two or three owners. I was like, what does it matter? You can find a car that has two or three owners, and it might be an absolute friggin' turd. That doesn't mean jack squat in terms of the condition of the car.
2: I uh, do. Is um, that do you think that that's just people wanting? They, they imagine that if less people had it, it was better taken care of because they liked it to keep it. Is there it? Because I remember being brought up and thinking like, "Oh, you don't want a car with a lot of owners." Now I think it's ridiculous, but where do you think that comes from?
1: Um, I think it comes from a general it starts from the general perception of buying a used car is buying somebody else's problem, which I think was planted by new car dealers to, in order to sell new cars. Um, and the more people have had it, the more problems it has, right? Like, well, if it's had seven owners, then there must've been something wrong with it. And they were all trying to unload it to the next guy. Maybe if it had seven owners in the last two years, that very well could be the case. But people look at absolutes too, and they go, you know, they just say two or three owners tops, and that's their max, whether the car is 50 years old or five. And I'm like, you got to have a, a, a variable scale, scale here. Same thing with miles. If a car's 40 years old and the guy drove it 500 miles a year, it's going to have 20,000 miles. That's extremely low mileage. But if it's 80 years old, I'll have 40,000 miles. And people oh, that's high miles. It's like, well, you can't stop driving after. Anyway, uh, I, I digress. Um, the, he, the same guy passed on another car because it had, oh, no, no, no. He Actually, all of this examples comes from the same buyer. <laughs> three out of four of them. <laughs> He's He also said, oh, the car has... An auction. The car's been through an auction. Carfax shows that it was sold in an auction. And that has a negative stigma for people, right? That a car went through a wholesale auction. Because let's be honest, it's like there's a reason we don't buy from wholesale auctions. It's where a lot of people go to unload their stuff that they are not willing to retail. It's where we send our cars that we don't want to retail. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just like, oh, well, auction value is... The same as retail, and it's easier. So we'll say it's not always the case. But in general, as a stereotype, that's a fairly fair stereotype. However, there's dealers that send their entire used inventory there. There's Give Me the Vin, which is the largest wholesaler in the country. They buy cars from private party and send them to auction. And dealers buy inventory from there. It doesn't mean the car is good or bad. It just means it went through auction. However, the point of this is that Carfax is now reporting vehicles that sell at retail auctions, so like Meekum. So we ran a Carfax on a Shelby something or other Mustang the other day, and it showed an auction result, and it was from a Meekum sale a couple years ago. And we're like, hold on, that's not a wholesale auction. That's a collector car auction. So all of a sudden, people need this new information. If they're going to judge a Carfax based on whether or not the car sold at auction, they have to realize that auction doesn't mean wholesale auction. So there's all these cars now that are going to show up that didn't previously have an auction result in their history that are now going to have it. And, of course, Carfax has the little down arrow, you know, too many owners... Uh, sold at auction, whatever, so it's going to impact the value, but selling at a collector car auction shouldn't, right? That's where some of the greatest cars in the world
2: sell. That's where F50s sell for $5 million, right? Yeah, if anything, that should be uh, positive. Like, this car was good enough to go there and, like, be present. Right. I got a problem with those indicators anyway,
1: but I I don't want to start complaining too soon i do too but th- there's no context right there's no context on a lot of this information um so he passed on it because of that um third damage reports uh same guy passed on a different car because it had and i had actually never seen this before right so you have like accident reported then most of the time they'll have a uh, damage severity scale like severe moderate minor this one but then you also just have damage report. So like if you back into your garage and you claim it under your homeowner's insurance or take it to the body shop or whatever, it's not an accident. There's no police report, but there's a history of repair. So they mark it as damage, which is already like less important than an accident, right? Because it typically means, well, there's no impact, um, because the, the point of being scared of a car that's been in an accident is not the repair itself. It's what's the underlying issues. You know, metal only retains its, its molecular structure once. You can straighten the frame, but it's still not the same. It's not as strong as it was the first time around. So, like, considering those things is why people devalue cars, and rightly so, that we're in accidents. But with damage, like, if you just dent a fender and have to replace it or repair it like who cares it didn't affect the rest of the car it doesn't affect the car structurally it doesn't affect anything down the road but now you have like this one had very minor damage quote unquote i've never seen that before i've only seen minor damage which is like as small as it gets um so like when the guy ran into you in the parking lot in your rear quarter that would be minor damage But it was like a pretty decent dent, whatever. So this, the customer verified it. It literally was a PDR repair, which for those of you that don't know, is paintless dent removal. It's like when the guy comes out with a little suction cup or whatever and literally just massages the dent out. There's no paint damage. There's nothing. It takes like half an hour to do. And that was what showed up on Carfax is very minor damage. But it freaked this buyer out enough because he's like, I just I can't get over that. I'm like, do you know how many millions of cars every year have PDR repairs and it doesn't show up on Carfax? But now it's going to start showing up on Carfax if the dealers sub it out to a body shop or however they do it, because everybody has electronic records now. So that stuff is going to start showing up on Carfax. So people are going to go, oh, the car is minor damage. What, What was that? Was it an accident? Probably not. Especially like very minor. Who cares? Somebody leaned against it at a car show <laughs> yeah. and created a dent. Like uh. if a
0: goose hits your side view mirror there.
1: Yeah. Yes. If a goose hits your side view mirror, Mr. Ethan. Because you had that happen. Um the the other thing here is, is auto check versus Carfax, right? So Carfax is the number one. We actually use one called Epic Vin, which is is it Epic? It is Epic. I <laughs> don't have a better word. Um, so they have, if the car's gone through like Copart or a Salvage Auction, they'll have the listing with photos saved. Um, so it's really, really cool to get kind of a more extensive picture of a car, especially one that may have had some story. And like they'll save classified ads. So if a guy listed it on Craigslist, that'll be in there so seriously that's cool it's pretty cool it's pretty cool um it's not as accurate in the mileage department and like maintenance wise as carfax but it's it's a really good supplement to carfax and it's 40 bucks a month whereas carfax is five freaking hundred or you know 40 bucks for one report for a consumer but epic Van, like anybody can use is like seven bucks a report or 40 bucks a month for unlimited so if you're shopping for a car this is Unpaid commercial here. Check out Epic Vent. But anyway, AutoCheck is kind of the runner up to Carfax. AutoCheck has any number of problems with their reporting. And we've had issues in the past. But one that we had recently was a 997 Turbo that showed severe damage on AutoCheck, but nothing on Carfax. And some people are like, oh, that's why I use AutoCheck because they're better than Carfax. I'm like, no. They're worse than Carfax. They have these erroneous reports. So in this car's particular case, it had been registered in New Mexico for like, I don't know, six or eight years, serviced in New Mexico, no record of it in any other state other than New Mexico. And then it went to Colorado or whatever, and then it came to Ohio. But AutoCheck had this random accident reported severe damage in Illinois, while it was registered in New Mexico. There's no other record of it being in Illinois ever. It was just this random thing. And I was like, okay, severe damage is like, that's basically totaling a car, right? It has to be really bad. But within a few months after the severe damage, the car was sold as a Porsche certified pre-owned, which apart from shady dealers, like breaking the rules that Porsche sets out from them, they cannot certify a car that has, I don't remember the exact rules, but it's more than like two panels painted or whatever. But a car that had had severe damage could not be certified, period. And so I called auto check on this. I'm like, this this is wrong information. Like, here's all the reasons why. And oh, by the way, we put a paint gauge on the car and it is all original paint. There's no possible way you can have severe damage to a car and have all original paint other than the occasional like I ran over something in the road and it damaged the floorboard. So they total it out. But typically that's a that that's based on state law, whereas they count it as structural damage. So, for example, California, there is a Ferrari 360 Challenge Stradale that ran something over And the car was totally fine other than it had a hole in the driver's floor pan. And because it was part of the structure, they had to total it out. So that's like the greatest secret deal on a Challenger Rally ever because it's got a salvage title and it had like no damage. But anyway, that would be the only way you could do that. But you would have gotten a salvage title on that car. So anyway... All that to say, be really really careful with what you see on autocheck because it is not necessarily reliable compared to Carfax so all this stuff with a grain of salt um, yeah there, there's a lot of stuff being reported on Carfax now that is almost to the point of TMI because people can't like take it in context they can't interpret it they they're still looking at it with like two thousand ten glasses with you know what what information used to be reported and now it's just like so much stuff on there
0: so in that same vein and this i think it comes up with like you're talking about the person doesn't want to buy a car because you know it had the pdr work done on it or had a little tiny thing sleepwalking asks can you talk about objective handling how does that like how do you discuss that with the buyer when that's going on do you try and talk them off a ledge or do you just say it is what it is do what you want what's the process from your perspective
1: um well this particular guy i gave him a link to the podcast episode 10 questions you don't (laughs) need to ask when buying a car good i don't think he watched it nor did i you know everybody is their own expert i've learned that nobody cares if i'm right or whatever same thing with like the overrev reports I got so tired of people coming to me with wrong information and then like educating them and they're like, Well, yeah, but my Porsche dealer says and I'm like, Okay, they're wrong. Well, what's the source of your information? I'm like, What me, me. I, I'm I'm the source, I'm the expert because I sit around researching this crap and I've run hundreds of DME reports, so I know. But that wasn't good enough, so I made a video. So now when people ask what your source is, I send them a link to my video.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this guy, Go
1: listen to him. It's good. This guy, it's he's good. an expert. Anyway, um, very very narrow field of, of expertise of competence here. Um, but I, I do my best to educate. Uh, it's it's not very successful. And honestly, that's why I started the podcast is because I want to tell people stuff like this, not in the context of trying to sell them a car. Because when I'm telling them in the context of selling them a car, they say, well, you're biased. This information isn't accurate. You're just trying to sell me. And I'm like, no, I really don't care. I'm not a salesperson. I love information and I love correct information. So like, I'm just passing along what I've learned and helping you try to to, to to distill this information properly so that you can get a good car. And it rarely works in sales, so I'm like, screw it. Let's let's have a podcast about it. No, that's so good. people can learn and then buy cars from other people. I think that's a good perspective on the whole
0: information on the whole objective handling thing. We're getting a lot of requests to kill that fly. Oh yes.
2: Hold on. Oh, I moved it. Uh, How do we go oh. to the commercial. All right. While Doug is struggling, SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that is to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, in fact, that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash boxcast for your free trial. Uh, Well, welcome, Mr. Corvette Curmudgeon. How you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Doing pretty good. Did uh, did Doug get that fly before he scurried out of here? No, I don't think so. Uh Uh-oh. We might need to sick producer Ethan on that one. Are you going to take a swat? Uh Uh-oh. I got this. (laughs) I got this. (laughs) I used to play racquetball back in my day. All right, this is just like really tiny racquetball. You'll be fine. Um, Anyway, so while you're struggling with that... um, you know we're talking a lot. I don't know if you've listened on your way in or if you do you ever listen to the podcast? no you guys aren't on the radio that you know it'd be pretty cool if we were actually yeah, but no, no we're I, not.
1: I don't I don't know what them how them podcast things work but I, I got my f m radio and a m talk radio, so that's that's why I listen to.
2: No, no, if we'll be on there, but we'll have to get producer Ethan to hook you up with a link to switchcast dot live so you can listen in if you ever want to hear yourself now, um, I
1: like listening to my classic rock and my talk radio thank you Um <laughs> uh,
2: so tonight we're uh we're talking till a lot that about
1: dang <laughs> mustang sally song comes on now i gotta a, switch not- the channel <laughs> friggin
2: fords uh do y'all <laughs> Alrighty. uh so tonight uh we're talking a lot about carfax reports auto check reports have you ever run one of those on a car what is carfax so you can type the vin of your car into this service and it will generate a report and email it to you, or you can see it on your computer.
1: Is that? Is it tell you like how rare your car is based on the options and stuff?
2: No. So it tells you... <laughs> well, some then why hit- would I want to use it? Uh, well, if you ever think a car you're looking for might have been in an accident or had some major damage... How would or- a
1: new car have been in an
2: accident? Well, this is if you're buying a used car.
1: Why would I buy a used car? I bought my Corvette brand new, went down, did museum delivery. Nobody else had touched it. I made them leave the plastic on it.
2: So if you... So I was the first person to sit in the driver's seat. Have you been the only person to sit in the driver's seat? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, if you were to ever sell your car, if... Now, I don't want to startle you. This is if. um, You know, somebody could run this report on your car, and they would see a bunch of green check marks. I ain't
1: giving them the VIN number. Why not? Well, I don't know. They might be able to scam me or something. Get my checking account number. I hear about these stories online.
2: Uh, that you can't use a VIN to do that. It just tells you that said this is this car. I don't a- know about that. Well, uh, you know, <clears throat> my well, buddy well, Jack
1: told me that you could you could have your identity stolen if you know put your license plate number and
2: a photo online. Uh, We might need to talk with Jack, but either way, if somebody was to run this report on your car, if somehow you gave them the VIN, if you were feeling nice, uh, they would see a bunch of green check marks flying, like nothing crazy because it's never been in an accident. It's been registered every year. It's had its oil changed every three years or however long you do it. Um, Every 10,000 miles. Gotcha. So how many miles are on your car? (laughs) 6,000. Perfect. So no oil changes just yet. All right. Um, but anyway, this leads me. Uh, so obviously, uh, you've never been in an accident in your Corvette. Heck no. Uh, have you been in an accident in another car? Well, no, I'm a good driver. And yeah, not everybody else is. <laughs> uh, I'm older than 25. But, uh, you know, not everybody else is a good driver. So somebody could have hit you at some point or or nothing. Never. Uh, no, no, have
1: I've never been in an accident. Nope. My wife's gotten a couple fender benders in the grocery store parking lot, but. Huh. So how has she handled those situations? Well, you know, uh, she doesn't handle them. I I take them to the body shop, you know, because, you know, them friggin' mechanics and stuff, they like to take advantage of women. They think they're friggin' stupid or something. And so I go in there and make sure they get it done right and uh, make sure they're not ripping us off.
2: That's very admirable of you. I, You know, you're, you're probably not. Every once in a while, I agree with you, and that's always very shocking. So anyway, uh, well, I guess it's good to know that on none of your cars, you'll have any sort of accident reports if you ever go try to sell them, but not your Corvette, of course, because you're never going to sell why that, way, right? Yeah, why would I sell that? I don't know. Maybe you can't drive it anymore. You get tired. Ooh. <laughs> we all get older. Wow. <laughs> it, it'll happen eventually. Is it a stick, right, manual. Yeah. So maybe, you know, eventually you won't be able to get the clutch pedal in, you know. happen to all of us at some point.
1: Well, then I'll just polish it and look at it in my garage. Mm-hmm. And I
2: entirely respect that. All right. Thank you very much to the Corvette well, oh, Wait, Wait, oh, hold up. Hold up. I,
0: I do want to say, Corvette curmudgeon, do you know that we, we posted a video of yours on, on our TikTok today? What in the Sam Hill is TikTok? Yeah. Well, you're actually live on it right now. But I want you to know that you have over 13,000 views right now on a video of you talking about your favorite car memory. What's my royalties on that? Nah, all right. Well, <laughs> we, we, can, we can talk about that next time. But I thought you'd be excited to know that people were sharing in that joy with you. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, that is wonderful. Yeah, see? It's good. Do they know how rare my Corvette is? Oh, they know. You told them.
2: <laughs> oh, good. Good.
1: <laughs> good.
2: All right, thank you as always to the Corvette, Cur- Corvette Curmudgeon for joining us tonight. Who he is brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook. That is your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. Doug, did you get the fly?
0: No, it has It's like that Breaking Bad
2: episode. <laughs> you remember the one with the
0: fly in the? In this the will land. be a,
2: a very artsy podcast where the entire time is the three of us trying to kill yeah, this dang fly. <laughs> yeah, bottle. Episode. All right, so we oh, before have a, you uh, before you continue, oh, fire away. I've got a super chat. Uh, in YouTube from Mo. Uh, Mo does not have any more <laughs> information. The, the audio listeners have no idea what we're going uh, through right now. They're
0: going to hear the table rattle when I tried to slap it at that <laughs> yeah. one point. They're going to be like, I got no idea. Is Mo that. the same Mo that's
1: getting sued over the 996 that he sold that had mm. emotional yes. damage? Oh, this good. is
2: not about that, though. Okay, God, we it. need more information on that. Please, Mo, give us more. The, there's uh, something missing in that story. Give us Mo, Mo. But, uh, so... Mo suggested that we take a look uh, a the Super Chat appraiser for that 1985 Mercedes-Benz at 300 CD. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. Uh, Mo said that it would go over 25 grand last week. We guessed, I honestly, I think I said like 17 or something like that. Uh, it, it sold. Yes. For $28,000. Good job, Mo.
1: You that know more about of money. Mercedes diesel coupes than we do goodness and i'm not ashamed of my lack of knowledge of those
0: (laughs) (laughs) they're so slow
1: (laughs) i had a non-turbo 300d that uh maybe it was a 240d i don't know they're all abysmally slow um but i would venture a guess that it was slower than a hummer h1 like pre-diesel it was so slow It was so slow. I think in a quarter of a mile, like drag race, if there's a cop at the end of a quarter mile in a 35 mile an hour zone, I wouldn't get a ticket. (laughs) Zero to 60 is maybe. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and people were making fun of that. Uh, I did a video on the 1917 Franklin that got like an alleged 40 miles a gallon. And people are like, "Yeah, my top speed is 35." And I'm people like, "Lost their
0: minds on that video." Yeah.
1: Well, okay, that's no different than a Mercedes 240D.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Fifty <laughs> years later,
2: <laughs> isn't the 240D the Volvo? No, I think there's a Mercedes 240D. Oh, okay. This is just getting confused. But I don't care about a, slow diesels.
1: 300D, but yeah. Uh, yes, that's, that's true. I don't care about slow diesels except my 7.3 excursion. That's a wonderful slow diesel.
2: <laughs> Did you ever get any feedback on your, uh, oh,
1: exhaust that was that, bypass uh, valve?
2: 300 CD was Moe's listing. Oh, nice. Well, congratulations, Moe.
1: I'm glad that it's worth more than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody out there loves those cars. I mean, that's it, honestly, that's true of the entire car market right now, like. There's cars that are going for 20, 30, 40 grand that used to be worth nothing. And there's niche collectors, I guess, coming out of the woodworks, um, buying stuff up that I would look at and go, I don't know, that's a $10,000 car just because I don't know any better. And that's what I think it looks like. And they're going for 30 or 40. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Um, but there's there's an update on uh, uh, our kit car challenge. Um, so people are sending us kit cars left and right. Um, I think partly because of <laughs> I kind of branded myself as a kit car curmudgeon, <laughs> making fun of the guy with the fake Countach a little
0: bit, <laughs>
1: about a 50 percent approval rate on that joke. Some people said, just leave the guy alone. You're being a, a jerk to you know, let the guy have his thing. And I'm like, well, I I can't not troll people who are lying about their car constantly it's, to it's everybody not
0: you're, you're not letting him have his thing like you're fine with kit cars it's yeah. the way that it's presented is absolutely what the he's, is taken with. yeah he's
1: he's the ego guy going around pontificating about his real coontosh and using that to pick up girls and impress people and all this stuff and it's just like just say it's a kit car and i would shake your hand and go that's the worst kit car i've seen in a long time <laughs> but cool You enjoy it. You like it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But because you are correcting everybody about how it's a real Lamborghini and trying to fight people about it, like, okay, well, now it's on. But anyway, I I said that um, there's very few kit cars, practically no kit cars that are ever for sale that need nothing. And sure enough, there was another one submitted to us this week. Thanks to Tasso Morose for this submission. Uh, it is a Testarossa body kit on a Corvette C4, which is not the worst kit car idea of, of all of them. That's one I, I would potentially, for the right price, rock, take to Radwood or something like that. Um, in the description, they said it cost seventy grand new. Excuse me? Right. Right. Uh, th- the body kit did, which... In 1985, you could buy, let's see. Yeah, a real Testarossa sticker price was ninety grand. So you could have a $70,000 fake Testarossa
2: or $90,000 real one. There's no way that that was a kit from when it was. That is insane. Yep. And anyway, spending 70000 on a fake Ferrari body on a Corvette is also kind of... Yes, yeesh. in 1985. So description,
1: runs and drives great. Has been sitting for some time. Which those two statements sound mutually exclusive to me. <laughs> Paint looks good, but has blemishes and imperfections. Contradiction number two. AC is cold. Four brand new tires, mm. which I call BS because no Corvette C4 has ever had tires newer <laughs> than 10 years old since the car was more than 10 years old. Although I did they they are Falcon ZX tires, which are like $90 all seasons. Oh, yeah. Walmart special. Yes. (laughs) So they might be new, but they got them at Walmart. Uh, The guy says, I'm a collector of Corvettes, especially the unique and bizarre. Not perfect. Great project for the enthusiast. (laughs) Boy, is that sentence telling. (laughs) Wait for it. Wait for it. No tire kickers or joy. There it is. (laughs) Uh, so if it has new tires, if it
2: runs and drives great, if the AC is cold, why is it a great project? (laughs) God. Yeek. I swear every listing has some combination of drives great, just needs a fuel pump. How do you know? If it really needs a fuel pump, it's probably not going anywhere. If it really needed a fuel pump, you
1: would have done it and... Did you get him? No. Oh, so God close. It. I almost Golly. knocked
2: over my whiskey in the process. So
1: um, so back to Carfax stuff, right? So it seems like there's way too much information, but it's information that doesn't necessarily help. Like, oh, where did the car live? Where was it registered? Was it serviced to a dealer? Does it, you know, how many owners does it have? Et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of information that I want to know that's more telling about the condition of the car you'll never see on Carfax. Oh, yeah? Yes. What do you got?
2: Well, I've got a list. Oh, boy. Doug's got a list.
1: One, was it garage kept? I think that's a really important one because the elements are so bad for a vehicle. And some people get those outdoor covers. Like, there's a Corvette C5 that I drive by that's near us. It has an outdoor cover. But you can see, like, the mildew, like, running down the cover and I'm just like, you're you're trapping that in to the car. And every time like the wind blows, the cover is moving, it's scratching the
2: crap out of the car. I'm just like, I don't want a car that somebody stored outside under a cover. Oh. When you first said that, I thought the Corvette curmudgeon had come back in here for a second and started giving his opinion. But that does make sense. I've noticed that my cars sitting in a garage have fared so much better, even though, like, my wagon especially that gets driven in all the garbage up here in the wintertime, it's in pretty good shape still. Yep. But there's a lot of stuff that's a lot newer and supposedly better made that does not look. Here's one.
1: Did it go through an automatic car wash? Who mm. because you get your car on the tracks and it scratches the crap out of your rims, but then the brushes scratch the crap out of your car too. Mm-hmm. Um I was actually thinking about this. I was like, can you like can you imagine if you had GPS based vehicle history reports? Cause I'm like, well, they could tell if it went to that car wash, right? So, like, if you could have a GPS-based vehicle history report, imagine the stuff that is get from it. Big brother type stuff. Well, I know, but but if you like volunteer, I don't know voluntarily shared it or only when you sold it or whatever, but you could know if it went through an automatic car wash. Oh, uh, they could know like how long you were at the racetrack. Right. Cause everybody's like, well, how many, how many track days do you have? <laughs> could know whether or not you parked at the beach. That's another one that I can't stand. I've bought some cars like, Oh yeah, it's garage kept, but I went to the beach with my dog every day. So it's like covered in sand and sunscreen. Uh, did you park at Walmart? <laughs> okay. Think about <laughs> it for a minute. Think about it for a minute. Do you want to take your nice car to Walmart
2: parking lot? I have parked my cars at Walmart very far away. I mean, I not trust
0: any of it. Not just there's, like every parking lot, though. Just park far away. No, Target's no. better. There's, Tar- a, Target's
1: there's a people <laughs> of Walmart page making All fun right, of the people fair. they have that's cars fair, yeah. and they
0: also exist in the parking, <laughs> 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 in the parking yeah, that's right and they that's do funny. things <laughs> and they do things their shenaniganries <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> do not stop inside <laughs> Shenanig- the store shenanigan-eries.
1: um i mean heck it could tell you if you went to the strip club which
2: that's relevant because I mean, ever try to so get harder. Hard to, like, get out. You're going <laughs> to exactly. know anyway. That doesn't yeah. need to be on a Carfax. <laughs> Just poke your head inside, and does it
0: smell and look like glitter? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's like ta- that transport driver that ended up taking the car to the strip club before he, like, drove it to yeah. whoever it was. I wonder if, you know, was the smell there? Was the glitter there? We don't know. Mm. Mm. We I,
1: should start putting GPS tracking devices in cars that go on transporters trucks no, i didn't drive it at all yeah you See? did yep I, I like that i don't think your truck and trailer was going 110
2: miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> need to get there fast the original lug nuts and youtube asks uh, what about using a car cover uh for a car stored indoors to keep the dust off any mm. recommendations um
1: one your car has to be clean before you put it on two your cover has to be clean otherwise you're doing more damage than good um some storage places are like if you have good air conditioning and good filtration there's some places that are pretty much dust free and the little bit of dust you get on like you just freaking wipe it off uh get your california car yeah. duster out <laughs> um so I, I do like covers i cover my cars um i like the like silky, you know, soft fitted covers. Um, They're not real abrasive and they don't let air, you know, travel underneath. Um, But like we have a bunch of people in storage that drop their cars off and the covers are filthy. And I call them, I'm like, I can't put this on your car. Like your car is clean. My warehouse is clean. You're going to have like one micron of dust on your car by not covering it or you're going to just make your car filthy by putting this awful cover on. So, yeah, I, like, I'm fine with it. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion one way or another. I think it's important if you're in a dirty environment, but um, in a clean storage area, yeah, who cares? Um, what are some other things we'd, we
2: would want to see on a Carfax vehicle history report that we don't? So you went, like, to Syria, serious, but I think I maybe went a little more detail-heavy. So I... Agree that there is too much detail on Carfax reports, but it's all useless. Like, all that's on there is useless stuff. What I want is, like, I want photos or some sort of write-up on any sort of accident. Because I've seen cars with, like, incident reports. Sure. One of mine has something on its Carfax because the previous owner used an aftermarket insurance policy to do maintenance work. So it shows up on my Mm -hmm. Carfax as all-over body damage, Mm -hmm. even though I have the receipts that lineup time frame wise to show that it was just this insurance claim.
1: Side note, <laughs> another free commercial, this is why VinWiki was invented, is so that you can document this stuff.
2: Cause like that's what matters. Okay, it was in an accident, but damn it, what was it? Right. Like I, that's all that matters. Yes. And that's honestly, that's
1: actually the, the question we get asked all the time about paintwork is people don't care about paintwork fundamentally. They care about why the paintwork was done. Yeah. And what was done. Was it painted because somebody scratched the car in the garage, like their son's bike scratched it? Or was it painted because a semi truck drove over it? Right. Again, it's going to this. Will I have issues down the road? Am I buying a car that has hidden damage or is it literally just there were some rock chips on the front and they wanted to touch them up? And so like, it's
2: not about what it's about the why exactly. And like Carfax misses that entirely. It like tries to give you this information in a very binary format of this happened or it didn't happen. So you lose all context. You lose all the important stuff. And then you get somebody terrified of some very minor damage. That was probably like a suction cup PDR thing that like you talked about earlier. Like it's all you like information overload with like fluff and garbage. So the tiniest thing seems like a huge deal. Right. Um, What detail I would like to see, though, is I would love it if shops could upload, like, a sanitized version of the invoice. So, like, get names and addresses and stuff out of there. Sure. But here's what was done. Here's the notes from the mechanic.
1: Like, That's a good point as well, because on Carfax, like, the dealers have categories of services they, they, like, pick from. So, what you see on Carfax in terms of what service was performed is not always accurate. Yeah. It might just say, like, engine service. Well, what
2: was that? Yeah. Oh, was it a
1: rebuild? Or engines are complicated. Was it like, you know, reset the ECU. So, yeah. Uh, another one I would like to see that you can't tell on Carfax is Did you smoke in the car? Oh, because that's, that's actually one of the most frequent questions people ask that I think is actually valid. Because if you are not a smoker, you cannot buy a smoker's car, it just sits in there forever. Yep. Uh, do you own an RV slash has this car ever been towed <laughs> behind one? Because some Yee. cars will register the mileage. Other ones won't. And that's some serious
2: wear. I didn't even think about that. The like mileage. But yeah. Yeah. If it's just being rolled around. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Like if you had a car
1: that the speedometer cable only registered on the drive wheels. And so you had like the non drive wheels turning behind the RV and you had, like,
2: 500,000 extra miles. It's like, why does this car need so many rear wheel bearings? Right. I don't understand. I would like to see all of the reports uh, simplify. So we talked a lot. I'm pivoting my negatives to positive, like, more positive affirmation type things here. Uh, uh, There's so many green check marks and thumbs-ups and a fox pointing at you and saying you're doing a good job. Like, there's all this fluffy garbage like, can we distill this a bit? I looked at an auto check earlier today. I want that was a coyote. Like, f- th- that would be fine. We can have the cute animals. Like, they just don't need to do as much. Like, I saw an auto check that was like five or six pages long. And all it said was the car had been registered and emissions checked every year and that it wasn't in any accidents and had a clean title. I'm like, why do you need so many pages for this? Good point. It should be like a resume. Speaking of One cute page. animals,
1: I want to know, did the owner have a cat or a dog?
2: What are you trying to say about cat owners?
1: I said, or a dog. <laughs> I have a dog, but I also know that like every time he goes in the car, there's lots of hair and claw marks and stuff like that. So I have to choose what cars he rides in. That's true. And it's a, a bear to clean out all that hair, especially if you have a white haired dog and black <laughs> carpet.
2: Um, have you ever purchased Armor All? I want to know that. <laughs> And then, no, is it the wheel armor all or the interior armor all? <laughs> yes. One is bad, two is done. <laughs> two is off. Yeah, you can replace tires, you can't <laughs> easily replace the interior. And like, I want to have to wear sunglasses in the interior of my car all the time. Oh, man. Uh, let's go to a commercial. Man, we are running out of time almost already my and uh, go to the next segment. And Switchcast is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit celebritymachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout.
1: That was a big sigh, Ethan. Uh, Scaminator. Ethan doesn't like
0: my ad reads. No, the ad was great. It's the fly. This fly. <laughs> it, it landed on the zapper. <laughs> and, and, then we t- and then Doug turned it on and it just flew away.
2: This fly is outsmarting all of us. It's going to go tell all of its fly friends later tonight. <laughs> yeah. That it bested three men <laughs> in a room with a tennis racket shaped <laughs> swatter.
0: Uh, why does All it right. have to be right here though? That's the thing. It's got the whole shop.
2: One of us smells. That's what the answer is. <laughs> and it's not me. It was a Corvette curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. That guy. laughs> Alrighty, so Scaminator, yeah, you sent me a pretty interesting screenshot of a listing for a Boxster um, that you have gotten more info on. Yes, uh, do you Re- give read us, us the, the listing. All right, <clears throat> gotta who get my haughtiness ready. One of one, 1997 Porsche Boxster. This particular Boxster is a piece of Porsche history. When the Boxster was announced, they used this exact car to unveil it in North America. After the car made its rounds to dealerships all over the country, it was then acquired by a private owner and sent back to the Porsche factory, where it underwent a 996 911 motor swap. We have a binder full of the car's history slash maintenance records, as well as its feature in Panorama magazine. The car currently sits at just over 88,000 miles and is ready to be enjoyed by its next Porsche enthusiast. For more pictures, videos, or history on the car, please feel free to reach out. Located in Tulsa, Oklahoma, twenty-two thousand nine hundred and ninety-five dollars or best offer.
1: For a automatic early boxster.
2: They really left out the automatic grand. Bargain. Yeah. Wow. Tiptronic.
1: Uh, there's a lot of things wrong with this. Um one i did look up so pastel yellow was a common uh car color selected by porsche um, for early boxer and 996 press cars so it's very possible that yes it was a press car but it wasn't like the car like that was actually the color they used because it photographed uh so well under most light conditions um and running the carfax it does confirm that it was used as a press car because it was a 97 but it, the first registration the first record on Carfax is 2000 with 32,000 miles.
2: Hmm, <laughs> so
1: yeah. And that brings us to the point of a press car is not necessarily a good selling point because if it's going around to dealers and well the automotive motoring press uh, they all drive the snot out of press cars, so yeah, not not a great idea. Um, one key thing that Carfax does not show is any record of it being exported to Germany. Uh, and our buddy Kent Lucas did a little more digging, and it turns out the dealer's description was incorrect. Uh, it doesn't actually have a 3.4 liter 996 engine, which they claim it does on their website and in the description. Uh. Porsche put in an early uh 2.7 liter like a pre-production 2.7 liter engine which is the base boxer engine in 2000. So it just got a newer boxer engine before it was sold to the public likely because the original engine blew up, because they were not known for being incredibly robust. Smell Uh, an IMS bearing. Right. So all those uh, journalists and dealers beating on it, and then it gets a new engine. I don't think that is like, I don't think that qualifies as a piece of Porsche history, right? Like, it was a press beater. It got a new engine. whoop de doo It's not a 996 engine. Porsche would have never done that.
2: That also probably means it wasn't done at the factory. It was probably just a dealer that did it.
1: Like, um, it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Uh there's no record of any of it, so good luck on that. But yeah, definitely not a $22,000 car. I think that's like a $12,000 car that is if I had
2: to guess. Astronomical asking
1: price. It's a high mileage tiptronic that was beat on for the first 30,000 miles. Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, shrewd negotiator. We've been trying to do this one for a while. This one's been sitting in the hopper. I, I love this one. This is, this is fantastic. This guy almost is wall
2: of shame worthy, but let, let's hear the shrewd negotiator. All right. I have a 2020 Chevy Malibu LT. I'm still currently making payments, but just seeing if anyone is willing to take over the payments and put it in their name. This will be a perfect first car for new soldiers or civilian. It is up to date on maintenance, but it will need a tune up with spark plugs, wires and ignition coils. Wait,
1: another mutually (laughs) exclusive statement. So many car listings are like
2: this. Uh, Okay, continue. All right. Mm. Uh, Also may need new brakes. But (laughs) other than that, it's in. (laughs) The, The next part is the best. But other than all of those things we've listed, a tune-up and new brakes, uh, it's in perfect condition. Uh, if interested, I will do an oil change and give it a decent detail—not a great one, just a decent one.
0: <laughs> a decent detail.
2: We can meet up anywhere and go from there. Thank you. Does it need an oil change? I, yeah, that's yeah. Well, a how badly does it
0: need an <laughs> yeah. oil
1: change based on his earlier? How sludgy is your oil? Right.
0: Uh, what constitutes a decent detail? <laughs> some armor all <laughs> some <laughs> armor all. Yes. Yeah. It's like all right uh, so the, here's this gets
2: really good so I'm paying six hundred and forty one dollars a month woof on a Malibu for a Malibu yikes uh, so but if anyone can get approved for it like a refinance type then hopefully it goes lower and I owe 30k I know it seems a lot but that's why I'm hoping someone can refinance it in their name did, got it? Did you get it? You wow. got the fly, audio listeners. <laughs> I think they heard that.
0: <laughs> That's incredible.
2: Uh, hoping someone can refinance it in their own name to bring that payment lower. It's a long story as well. If you want those details, I'm willing to tell you, but just not here, I guess.
1: Oh my goodness! Oh
2: my, car has so, a little over eighty thousand
1: miles, right? What's his monthly on that? Six hundred forty-one, but his payoff is thirty. So he basically, so, so I looked up the value. It's an $18,000 car retail. Right. On a good day. It's like 14K wholesale, probably 12, because it needs a tune-up with spark plugs (laughs) and an oil change and a decent detail and new brakes. And ignition
2: coils. Right. Ooh, yeah. Uh,
1: I love the, the... you know, internet mechanic too, right? Like yeah. it needs a tune-up. How do you know? What's r- just tell us what's wrong with it? Don't tell us what it needs. But it's in perfect condition, Doug. Uh, other yes, than those minor And up to date things. on maintenance too. Yeah.
0: Um, what so- is the 30 K on? The car what year is it 2020
2: 2020 i think my my uh wow. my dude here has been paying nothing but interest yeah
1: yeah probably, that's, yeah
0: that's probably yeah, yeah
1: he probably bought all the add-ons extended warranties etc you know wheel tire protection and uh all you all know somewhere stuff. that salesman was bragging about the you know big fat commission check he made out Oh, that somewhere guy. they've
0: got this guy's like picture right. on a wall somewhere <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well but malibu's just depreciate
2: not yeah yeah because they're as much of an appliance as a washing machine is exactly Oh God.
1: (laughs) but I just I love that he's asking 30 grand for we'll call it a $15,000 car right so he's asking double he just won't admit to like I want you to pay twice what this is worth it's a sob story of I have a long story I'm in the military I need to get out of this this would be a great first car for your kid Oh, look at the payment. You could get the payment lower if you refinance it. And it's like, it's it's all shadow games, right? Like, either way, you have to buy the car. If you finance it on your own, you're restarting a new loan. That's what you would do for any other car that you finance. Like, it's just, I don't know if he's that dumb or if he's hoping somebody else is that dumb. But either way, that is... That's one of the worst deals I've ever seen on the internet. What
0: <laughs> period of time would we guess he, like, financed this over?
1: Probably seven or eight years. You think? Because the loan was probably front-loaded with interest. I mean, that, the longer term you have, the more interest you pay up front.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Original,
1: original. Oh,
0: sorry. That's oh, okay. Guy. If you
1: do the amortization on, like, an eight-year car loan versus a 12-year, the payment drops only slightly
0: mm-hmm.
1: because you're paying so much more interest
0: oh yeah
2: yeah oh poor guy original lug nuts has a good point on youtube uh says sounds like someone rolled negative equity into it when he bought it very possible it's but also like-, like you're seeing a lot of this right now
1: is there's tons of people that are upside down by record amounts on their loans and it's because of the car buying frenzy that happened the last Two and a half years it, it people thought like it would never end like they just threw math out the window they're like well demands an all-time high if I need a car, I have to overpay for it. no, you don't you just wait right so you have a ton of people way upside down on their cars who didn't start with negative equity um I mean the, the old joke is the best thing for this guy is hope he bought gap insurance and you know the car should just like find a, a tree or a bridge or something like that and you know the, the bridge can make the payments
0: so i saw someone saying and I, I know we're right at nine o'clock but i i wanted to bring this up because i saw someone saying and this kind of went viral i i just paid off my car and my credit score dropped by 30 points um what are you i know you have strong thoughts on both car payments and credit right. scores but she was, was pretty much the whole the um I don't know, the whole idea of, of this was this society has everything backwards. I paid this thing off sooner than the agreement. That should be a good thing. But because I'm not making these routine payments for a longer period of time, my credit score drops.
1: It actually makes perfect sense because a credit score is a measure of your relationship with debt. And the better relationship you have with debt, i.e. the more you use it, the more they allow you to use it. So the less you use it, so essentially when you pay off a loan, it, it's not a measure of your financial stability or financial strength. No, it's not. It is a measure of your relationship with debt. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, that makes sense.
0: But doesn't it just sound problematic on paper? It is problematic. Okay, better the way of wording The entire system it, yes. is
1: problematic because it's trying to s- sell you on this system that doesn't help you in the long run Mm.
0: it yeah you should judge your
1: financial health and well-being based on a number in your bank account not a number on your credit score
0: it is preposterous to me the extent that people go to to justify Again, there's there's people talk about good debt and bad debt, and I don't want to go too Dave Ramsey with it. But the extent that people will justify like how they went about going into debt and the amount of debt they took on, and under the guise of like, but it'll it'll make me look better in the eyes of like th- the bank, pretty
1: much, so that you can take on more debt. But why do you care about impressing a bank? I would rather impress a bank with the assets that I have. Sure. And then the ma- make the bank go, oh, shoot, we'd like to manage those assets. Nah. Not sure if I want to let you.
0: You got to have a lot of assets, though, to kind of leverage than it that like way. Rather needing
1: no? a bank. Um, anyway. This is not financial a, uh, advice. Sorry. Yeah, no. Sure not. it is. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, yes, it is. Sorry. Um, yeah, we could have a, a whole podcast episode on that but um we do need to get the to the appraiser because uh yeah we got a follow-up on last week so last week i picked a 1974 porsche 2.7 mfi carrera for tyler uh he guessed 132 grand i was no. so confident that he was low that i bid 132 on the spot and needless to say i got outbid it sold for exactly a hundred thousand dollars more I say i was just one guessed. digit off yeah. That's gotta so it's got to be worth something for 232. Side note, I guess 220. Was, pretty close. You need uh, to stop being
2: good at my cars.
1: Right. <laughs> well, uh, I'm only making myself feel better because I did so poorly at mine.
2: I was more kind to you this
1: week. I hope so. You picked a frigging Lancia Fulvia Sport Zagato for me. I guess 36 grand. And I even cheated a little bit. I looked up the Haggerty values while you were
2: reading it nah, off to me. I figured there was some shady business it going on. It bid to
1: 21 and a quarter.
2: What I love is the buy it now is 32.5 on p Market. So you're like kind of on brand with your onboard. Right. <laughs> I
1: wasn't so far off. Uh, but anyway, we go by the high bid. That's that's the rules. No other offers came in since then, right? 21 and a quarter is the highest. Uh, I th- I believe so please redeem me here.
2: Uh, let me let me scroll down.
1: The crazy Scrolling. thing is I only missed by 15 grand, but I missed by a, and you missed by 100, but you have a lower percentage miss. <laughs> Got to get them high number cars. Uh yeah, no other offers All or right. anything. So this week for you, I wanted to pick a 2001 uh Audi S4 Avant. 6-speed. Okay. Uh, uh I like them. I know you like them. However, it ended earlier today. Had like 118,000 miles. Did you see this one? Did not. What was it on? Uh, Cars and Bits. What do you think it's sold for? 2001 Audi S4 Avant wagon. uh, I just said that. Avant six-speed manual, 118,000 miles, reasonably clean car. I don't know, like what, 12, 13? (laughs) 11,800... oh my gosh wow nice work i'm getting good um, at this
2: until this next guess it
1: had an issue that i thought was funny so i'm like going through what it needs and all that the seller reports that the sunroof only operates manual that the heat does not work due to the heater core being bypassed that would <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right yep. yep checks out and that the cup holder requires assistance to deploy sounds like a old age problem <laughs> it does Geriatric cup
2: holder I'm like That's That's some big words For the cup
1: holder Is stuck
2: It's broken It's like when you look At a a sob With their like Crazy origami style Cup holders You're like that Get one thing wrong And it's broke
1: Yep Uh, uh, Don't ever give me A parachute That requires assistance
2: To deploy (laughs) Yeah
1: I picked, just because it's awesome, a 2022 Jeep Gladiator Apocalypse Hellfire 6x6. that thing. Yes. $244,000 build, turbo diesel V6. If I was to give you a verbal picture of this for the audio listeners, I don't have to. Just think of a Jeep Apocalypse Hellfire 6x6. (laughs) That pretty much sums it up. It's matte black. It has three axles. And the interior looks like a Sour Apple Jolly Rancher exploded. Oh, does it It really? It is very lime green. What's that on? Is it? Cars and bids.
2: I feel like I saw that.
1: Yep. Uh, 10,000 miles, uh, $250,000 bill. That's about all you need to know. It's a Cars and Coffee Queen. I doubt anyone ever took this thing off road. Oh, my Uh, God. That interior. Yep.
2: All right. What's your number? Oh,
1: or do you like, want to give me mine first?
2: It's got angry eyes, uh, which I think is really important for a Jeep to have. Um, no, I'll... Uh, <laughs> this is really hard, because this is ridiculous. I know. And cost an, uh, like an astronomical amount of money, but there is such a small like niche market for this of jacked dudes with tribal <laughs> tattoos that actually want to be seen in this <laughs> and they have to sell their
1: hummer h1 first yeah
2: like this is just the worst oh man that's funny but i wait fe- a stereotype <laughs> have you seen this thing yes i picked it somebody's going to be really offended in the youtube chat or something but uh yeah, well. or maybe tiktok I don't know what these go for. I'll say a hundred and thirty.
1: Okay. I was going to guess a hundred.
2: I don't. Okay. I feel like it costs so much to build that the right person is going to get some level of a discount from the original, sure. like whatever. All right. What do you got for me? So I've got for you a 1998 uh, 993 Carrera S uh, that 2S? comes to us. Uh, yes. Two S comes to us from p market uh it is pastel yellow like oh, the boxer hey, color of the night over chestnut brown oh i think i, did I see this This is like a bizarre color combination for those uh on the podcast listening and even i guess watching here chestnut brown is like a brick red Yep. um so it looks like yellow over like a, a red color not like guards red bright, but it 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 kind of looks classy. But it is a little bit like McDonald's spec. Um, it's got the sport back seats. Ooh, which is painted real nice. Like extra uh, color? No, that would be kind of odd. Pastel yellow and chestnut seats. I think they're they're not the hard back seats. They're just the 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 normal back. Reminds me of a joke that John Sable always tells. What do you call nuts on your
1: chest? <laughs> okay, we're gonna stop there.
2: <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I loved that they called out in the listing. There's a bunch of hullabaloo. This is a one owner. So the guy that spec'd it or the person that spec'd it is selling it. How many miles? Uh, 38,348. Wow. Clean title, clean Carfax. It's got a toolkit. It's maintained only by reputable Porsche specialists. Um, there's like nearly 200 photos. I would say the photos are about an eight to 10. Like, it's, they're really nice. They're not changed in my life, but they're really nice. Uh, i trying some, to find this, but Picar, car's search function is not as good as bringing trailers. No. Uh, thankfully, I have a lot to talk about with this one. Okay. Um, so, some interesting things that I noticed with this car. There is a signature on the glove box, Carroll Shelby style. But not Carroll Shelby. That would be weird. No, it is Craig Butst. Do you know who that is? B- uh, B-U-T-Z? B-U,
1: or... B U T Z I Butsy? Rutzed, I think I Okay, never mind. There was a Butsy in Porsche history. He was a uh, CEO or something like that, or engineer that took over. Uh but that was way before the nine nine three was
2: made. Yeah, but... it's rutzed. I'm I'm a I'm a ding dong. Um past president of Watkins Glen for some reason signed this dude's okay. glove box. Random. Uh, I never thought I'd sell the car, so I never kept any service records. <laughs> is in the comments, which is wild. That's an interesting one. I've heard that before, but okay. Uh, if you look in the photos of the underside, it is jet black. Weird. When the car was new, this is a quote in the comments from the seller. When the car was new, I had the car ceramic coated and undercoated. My mechanic hates it. Wait, 98? They
1: didn't have ceramic coating in 98. I don't know what
2: he did. But uh, That's when they had like the Rusty Jones... You know, friggin' spray undercoating. Uh, No, I mean, it looks like somebody took cans of spray undercoating and sprayed the entire underside of this car. Yeah, okay, I'm seeing that now. It's wild. That is wild. I don't get the signature. I don't get the undercoating. I I don't get not keeping service records because you never thought you'd sell the car. That is just bananas to me. But it's a very interesting spec. (laughs) That
1: is odd. Uh, I'm conflicted on this. While I think of a number, we have to check in on our bonus round for last week, which was the 2008 Boxer Limited Edition, which means it's bright orange, one of 250, uh, well, 500, 250 S, 250 base. It had gotten bid to 31 grand on cars and bids. I had originally appraised it at 35. It is in Canada, which matters. It was low mileage, but kind of looked high mileage. Um, you had guessed 32.5 last week, and I went to 34. What did it go for? It sold for th- well, no, it got bid to 38 grand, so 31k Whoa. on cars and bids, 38 on P-Car market. Reserve still not met, which I think they need to friggin' sell that. It's in Canada, wow. and the steering wheel and shifter look like it has 60,000 miles, not 19,000 miles. So, anyway, I win that round, but nobody wins because wow. it still hasn't sold. That's wild. All right, ninety-eight are you, are you C2S, stalling? thirty-eight thousand miles, past over over Chestnut Brown, sports seats, but no service records,
2: one owner. And tar-looking <sighs> undercoating all over the underside. And a random signature from Craig Rutz on the
1: Um. Oh gosh. This is so tough because it's got some anomalies here. I think that does. A hundred and seventy-eight thousand. That is one spicy meatball. I mean a C2S is I think the best nine nine three. I think it's probably the best air-cooled Porsche. The only thing you don't get that people complain about. They want the C4S because it has the turbo brakes. But uh, C2S okay. S is one of the very few naturally aspirated non-GT wide body nine elevens. And it just looks so good. And I'd rather have the the rear wheel drive. Um and it's a ninety-eight, it's the last year. Those are very, very rare. And it's a rare color, yada yada, yada. Um it might go for more. I'm I might be I might be low there, but whatever. We'll 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 see. Cool color, but I think some people will be turned off by the weird little anomalies like that undercoating is funky, funky. And like you can't really get that off. That's just there forever now, right? Yeah. Let's say 180, round number. All right, 180. 180 final bid. Final 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 answer. All right, it is time for the props and flops, uh
2: brought to you by Switch Cars. <laughs> Switchcars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we'd like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switchcars Inventory is.
1: 2005 Porsche Boxster S in dark olive metallic with palm green oh. interior. Yes. I tried selling it to someone that said they were looking for a boxer, and I told them it was green. They said, "Nope, I don't like green. I want a black car. I said, that's okay. It looks black most of the time. (laughs) It's close enough. So dark. Uh, It was touched by Rapazi Motorworks, so that makes it far more valuable, apart from the fact that it's green. It's got 43,000 miles. It is very, very clean. We had a call on it today. (sighs) We're asking thirty five grand, which is a lot for an 'O five Boxer S, but it's friggin' dark olive green. Go find another one over the palm green. Hall. Yeah, Habita. and the guy calling, he's like, "Well, we within an hour of us listing it, and he, goes, well, when is it coming in? Okay, I'd like to see it when it comes in. But are you guys negotiable? Because you're way overpriced. I can. There's ones out there for thirty grand, and we're like, yeah, black and silver ones. <laughs> like it's been listed for like." 35 minutes and you called already so no we're not negotiating yet
2: you lost all of your negotiating privileges (laughs) right you started (laughs) i know what i got rare color anyway we do know what we got rare color
1: um flop of the week this comes from an auction site where somebody bought a car on a wholesale auction and then tried to renege on it based on this claim I left my computer to use bathroom. My four-year-old daughter walked in, clicked mouse, bought the car, walked back in, and she said, I think I did something, Dad. I pressed the button. My four-year-old daughter's bid won the car. Do not want car. Hmm. That is one of those cases of too bad, so sad. Yeah,
2: that sounds like a cop out. I don't believe that actually Wholesale
1: happened. Sale auction. I'm sure it did happen, but it's on the guy for not frigging locking a screen. Yeah, it's like two You're keys. On simulcast, like with cars being bid. Like kids love buttons, and they know how to use computers. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Uh, yep. Wholesale auctions. There is essentially no recourse with stuff like that. If they say you bid, even if you didn't raise your hand or click the button, then you bid. And if you don't come through, then you just have re- relinquished your privileges of buying a car from that auction ever again. So you just suck it up and you pay for the car that you didn't buy prop of the week. We got two One uh, regular listener and commenter, Jim Ryder, uh, reader, I'm sorry, I always get that wrong. It's got an I in it, not two E's, and the English language is hard, but anyway, it goes by Jim. Uh, (laughs) Good friend of Switch Cars, I think this is car number five, but he bought the Jaguar XK8 that was uh, uh, pick of the week a uh, oh, number of weeks ago on switchcast. Uh he did forget to use the discount code switchcast to get a thousand dollars off, but <laughs> he got the, the repeat client discount, so it yeah, all came out in the wash. Good. Um yep, so congrats to him. Well, congrats Jim. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that one of our loyal loyal listeners and one of the first uh Guys that kind of randomly showed up to a, a live show, Chris, uh, he bought a 997.2 c for us C4S from us, C4Us from us, <laughs> this week, uh, before it even hit, uh, never even got listed. He showed nice. up to look at a different wow. car, and I said, hey, the 997.2 is the one you want, and uh, yeah, so it was a retirement present. So a couple of, couple of loyal SwitchCast listeners uh, now in new cars. So congrats that's all. Awesome. And that's, a, you know, impetus for the rest of you guys to pony up and buy a car, right?
0: Discount code SWITCHCAST.
1: <laughs> Discount code SWITCHCAST. <laughs> Still there. That's right. Well, thank you all for joining us tonight. Thank you to Ethan and Tyler for making this show happen. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Home Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out switchcast.live to catch up on old episodes as well as to submit questions to us for future episodes. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next Wednesday 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your
0: life.